Everyone's so busy keeping up. Forget about the Joneses, we all on our telephones. With the texts and the tweets and the beats. What he said, she said, can't even follow the three. Down the hole, we all go. Me, I like keeping up too. With my corona and my attitude. That's La Vida Masfina. Relax responsibly. Corona Extra Beer. Imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. Welcome back to Chin Music, one of my favorite shows on TalkNorth.com. We have Roy Smalley, Lavelle Emil III, I'm Jim Suhan, and our producer is Brandon Morton. Uh, we're going to get to the drama and the injuries and the problems and the question marks about the 2022 Minnesota Twins. But gentlemen, let's start here. Uh, I'm really interested in and fascinated by two young players, two young hitters, Jose Miranda and Nick Gordon. Miranda, we thought was going to be a good major league hitter. I don't think we thought he would dominate the league the way he has for the last month or so. Uh, Nick Gordon had, you know, former number one pick, had really fallen into the utility player category. Now he's become a key player. Uh, let's start with with Roy today about just what they look like as hitters and what their upside is. Or just, you know, take it anywhere you want, Roy. You're the, you're the hitting analyst. <laughs> well, I, I'll start with Jose uh, Miranda, we've talked uh, about him on the show uh, quite a bit, and I think I, I, I think I mentioned that uh, when I first saw him, uh, he first came up uh, and uh, got in some games. He was hitting about a, you know 180 or you know 190 something, uh, and uh, by statistics would say that he was struggling. Um, for me, as I as I looked at him, I, I thought, man, this guy's going to hit. And there's a reason uh, why he's he's going to hit. There's a reason why he's not hitting now. He's not getting blown away. He's not uh, uh, totally inept on uh, breaking balls. And he's just swinging at a lot of bad pitches early in counts. Uh, but lo- looked a little over anxious and was getting himself either uh, out early in counts on pitches that he didn't need to swing at or getting himself in a hole. Um, 0-1, 0-2. Uh, because because of that, and I, I just felt like when I looked at his mechanics, uh, I felt like if if he calmed down and and started getting the ball in the in the strike zone, he he was going to hit. And of course, uh, you know we're all influenced by what somebody has done in the minor leagues, and the, and it would seem to indicate that you know the year he had in the minor leagues last year would be an, an indication that he, he he's he's got to have a chance uh, at least and. And when he when he cleaned that up, when he started um, uh, getting the ball in the strike zone, and started uh, getting an idea of what big league pitchers do, then here he comes. Right now, all of a sudden, he's he's uh, swinging the bat in the big leagues like he did in Double A AA and Triple A the year you know, the year before. And the reason is uh, the reasons are uh, pretty basic. He's got terrific. Uh, mechanics. He's got terrific hand action at the at, at the ball, and uh, he's got a great approach. Uh, depending on who the pitcher is and and what the count is, well beyond 
uh, a young hitter's uh, normal uh, development in, ter- uh, in terms of maturity of approach at the plate. So I mean, he gets himself in great position with his lower body as he's seeing the ball. And he, he, sorry, uh, he's getting himself in great position uh, with uh, his lower body uh, as he's uh, as he's striding. As his foot comes down, he's in he's in really good lower body position. His hands are in great position. Uh, at uh, uh, a really good launch spot from which to swing. And then he whistles the the big end. He, he, we always talk about guys knowing where the big end of the bat is and, and swinging the big end of the bat to the, you know, to the ball. And, you know, I've had a lot of people push back on that and say, well, everybody does. Everybody tries to hit with a big end of the bat. You don't try to hit with a handle. And that's true. But some guys like, uh, Luis Arise, <clears throat> excuse me, like Jose Miranda, their swing path, their hands deliver the big end of the bat way more efficiently to the uh, flight of the ball than uh, than most, I would say, most hitters. So uh, it, he does that very well. And then finally, it, it's very unusual to see any hitter, but especially a young hitter, when he gets to two strikes, or when the situation warrants it, when he's not really sure how, you know, what he should be looking for or how he should try to approach a guy, be so content to let the ball travel, stay in the middle of the field with, um, in terms of where he's going to make contact with, uh, with the ball so that the, he's kind of, uh, he becomes a left center to a right field hitter with two strikes. And uh, he ends up, getting huge uh, hits in big situations late in counts because he's, he, he changes his approach and he said, look, I, he, he becomes more, he come, it becomes more like Luis arise with, with some real strength. So, um, you know, when you want to know about Miranda, I mean, I, I, and maybe I should stop here before we can go into Nick Gordon because it's been a pretty long harangue, but, uh, there's just so much that goes into why he's doing what he's doing. It's just, there's no, it's, it's not a fluke. Yeah. And, and let's do that. Let's finish talking about Miranda. Then we'll get to Gordon. I'll just say, I'll say on top of everything you said, which is all absolutely right on. He also reminds me of something Paul Molitor told me once because Molitor, Molitor was ripped. You know, he's a physical, strong guy, worked out hard in the off season, uh, had huge forearms. He was an athlete. And you could look at him in his arms and go, okay, this guy just pumps, you know, does curls all, all winter. And I talked to him about his off-season off regimen once. He said, the legs are the most important thing. I, my legs are everything. And you, when you're around Miranda, he has massive legs. He has big, strong legs. He's a solid base. And I think that sets up everything else he does. Uh, Lavelle, why don't you take a shot at uh, Jose's success? Well, uh, Roy stole my thunder because I've been enamored with the kids' two-strike approach. Um, yeah especially in recent weeks because he's willing he's willing to shoot the ball the other way when he's behind an account and he gives himself a chance that way and you don't see a lot of young hitters uh come up to the majors and, and have the wherewithal to uh, kind of dial it down a little bit when they fall behind an account and that's an impressive thing for me um his walk rate you know I thought it would be a little bit higher by now based on what he's done in the minors but um, it's only he's only walked 13, 13 times this year, but I think that's going to improve as he gets even more comfortable. I think he's actually walked four times this month, which is uh, a third of his walk total. <laughs> so, um, 
And, you know, the two best things going in the Twins lineup right now are at least Luis Arias and, um, and Jose Miranda. Uh, it's not Byron Buxton, who is not hitting for a high average, but is hitting for some power. It's not Carlos Correa, who's underperforming. It's not uh, uh, Jorge Polanco, who you normally hits well in uh, August, but is not. And it's not Max Kepler, who's a mess at the plate. Um, it's this young kid who came up uh, this year and was sent down for like 24 hours, came back, and acted like he was a different player. And uh, this bodes well for the future. I mean, Carlos Correa went in and told the Twins, please don't trade this guy at the deadline. He's going to be really good. Uh, I know he's speaking up for his fellow Puerto Rican, but, I mean, he's right. I mean, this guy um, could be a force in the middle of the lineup uh, for years. And he's still he's still aggressive early in the count. I just think he's swinging at better pitches and is willing to lay off a couple now uh, that are off the plate. But if he sees something he likes, uh, first or second pitch, he's turning the fan on. And uh, it's kind of fun to see. No doubt about it. Hey, we're going to get to Nick Gordon. You just brought up a really interesting topic in Correa, though. I want to get into him for a second here. do want to let you know that Corona is the official import beer sponsor of the Minnesota Twins and the presenting sponsor of the Chin Music Show at TalkNorth.com. Check out Corona. Drink Corona. Uh, support the show. We do appreciate it. Uh, thanks again to our producer, Brandon Morton. If you'd like to advertise with this show or our growing network, you can reach Karen Cleary at K-C-L-E-A-R-Y at TalkNorth.com. You can follow us on Twitter, TalkNorthPod, see all the shows as they're released. Go to TalkNorth.com, see all of our shows, outdoor, variety, and sports. We have the best sports lineup in town. You can see the archives of the shows. Go back and find older versions if you like. But the easiest way to listen, it's also free. Subscribe to your favorite podcast app. Uh, that's the way to go. Thank you for listening to TalkNorth.com. We do appreciate it. So you bring up something interesting about Correa. Uh, so Heyman recently reported that he's going to opt out. Uh, and let's let's be adults here. We know how this works. Uh, people like John Heyman do what they do and have the jobs they have because they have agent sources. The agent sources use them to get out what they want out there. Uh, I don't know why they they would leak that at this moment. I don't know what who it benefits, but uh, Correa, I think, I'm not sure it's a foregone conclusion that he's leaving. He's not having a monster year. Uh, if he if He's having a very similar year to the year he had last year, which did not lead him to get to the, the massive deal he had hoped to get. Uh, he's guaranteed $35 million a year here. He likes it. They like him. Uh, and But I'll also say this, and I'm interested in your reaction to this. Uh, if you look at OPS+, Plus, which you know indicates how somebody's performing relative to the league average, he's having a very typical Carlos Correa year. He's not having his breakout year. He's not having his best year. He's having an average Carlos Correa year, I think. Uh, let's start with Lavelle this time. I think he's underperforming a little bit, man. Um, I think when the Twins decide to give him $35 million, they expect it. Um, all around excellence from him. And I'm actually writing about this for Friday, for Sunday. Um, uh, his last year, last year, he put up a 7.9 war. This year, it's like 3.2. Or if you look at fan graphs, it's under three. Um, uh, the power has not been there. His OPS is under eight. Yes, the OPS plus is right in the wheelhouse from last year. You're right about that, Jimmy. Um, there's no doubt about that, but uh, he has not been as destructive in the plate as he was last year when he hit 26 homers and drove in 92 runs. He's only got 39 RBIs, and it's been healthy for most of the season and as bad as somewhere in the top four spots in the order. Um, that's kind of crazy to me for a guy with the with the offensive background that Carlos Correa has. So um, uh, you, when you start shelling out that type of money, 
you need someone to step up and put up numbers, and it's not happening. And it, and um, it's hurting the Twins right now as they're trying to get back in the first place in this division. So I think we expect a little bit more out of Carlos, and I don't know how uh, Scott Boris can think that if Carlos Correa goes back out in the free agent market after this season, that he's going to get thirty or thirty-five million dollars a year uh, based on what he's done so far in, in twenty in twenty twenty-two. So I'm I'm skeptical of that, and uh, as much as I'm much as I'm uh, harping on him right now, uh, I had I would have no problems if he came back next year and tried to run it back because uh, it, because the track record says he's going to be more than what he is right now. Yeah, I'm gonna. <clears throat> I don't know if there's a full fledged disagreement, uh, Lavelle, but I I, I have some uh, I, I have a, a little different view when the when the Twins got Correa. I was excited because they filled a hole at shortstop with as, as guy that can play, a guy that can play as well as anybody, if not best, better or best, uh, and a, and a good offensive player that's going to you know is going to hit somewhere uh, you know two through five in, in the lineup. I didn't feel like, and I think that the history has shown with Houston. I mean, I never felt like uh, Carlos Correa was a third place hitter or a fourth place hitter. And I mean, he was going to come in and he was going to be the guy um, that would, you know, drive in a hundred runs on this twins club. And I, I mean, I just thought he was going to be a good, solid offensive player. And, and, you know, and uh, we'd take, we'd take what he had certainly take what he'd done uh, at Houston, which hasn't been the same. Now, this is not the same lineup as a Houston lineup. I didn't care what anybody says it, he hit. He hit fifth, sixth. Uh, he he was not hitting third, second, third, or fourth. Uh, even fifth. A lot of the times he hit sixth in that Houston lineup. And the Houston lineup is has been uh, better in the past than the Twins lineup, and it's better this year than the Twins lineup. And that has a lot to do with how everybody is is going to perform. He was not the guy that they counted on. Uh, to be the man in Houston, he was a really good, uh, ex- he was excellent uh, cog in that um, in that offensive machine uh, down there. But he wasn't the guy, and I didn't have the same <clears throat> expectation. I know that I would have expected that he'd have 15, 20 more RBIs potentially uh, this year than than he has at this point in the season. That, that's that's true. But I don't, uh, and his power numbers are are down. Years like this can uh, can happen uh, with players, uh, especially years that when he goes, someone goes to a new place and he's got opt in or opt out at the end of the year. Things on his mind. There's all kinds of things that can, you know, that can that can go on. But my expectations, <clears throat> excuse me, were not nearly as high as other people's, I guess, because I, I just didn't feel like, oh, this, they finally got the man. They replaced Nelson Cruz. No, they, I never thought they were gonna, that they were uh, replacing Nelson Cruz in that lineup. He's had two monster seasons, 2017 and 2019. Now, 2019, everybody had a monster season. <laughs> you know, okay, Mitch Garver had a monster season. 2017, he was in his prime. He, he had his breakout year, uh, 155, career best, 155 OPS+. plus. His career OPS+, plus is 127. 
His OPS plus this year is 128. I think they're getting average Carlos Correa. And I guess my thing is when you decide to pay somebody a ridiculous amount of money, and I think fans get this wrong all the time, the act of paying somebody a lot of money does not make them a better player. You might be making a bad financial decision. You might regret it, but paying somebody a lot of money does not make them better. You're getting the player, you're getting whatever you are able to pay them. Well, that's actually, you know, that, that is actually absolutely true because what happens is players get paid on what they've accomplished relative to the rest of the league um, and with the, the hope that what they've accomplished uh, relative to the rest of the league to this point will be continued for some amount of years. And that, and what you're paying, what a team pays somebody is based on what their market value is um, a, at the time. And it, it's a, uh, it's a, a, a popularity contest to a, to a big, to a large degree. It's not, it's not, totally analytics. If a guy's value is 35 million bucks a year around the league, uh, and then you're going to pay him 35 million bucks. And, and it doesn't mean that he's going to do what he did in the past. It doesn't mean that he's going to be better. You look at the amount of money, you go, holy cow, that guy should be better for that kind of money. Well, he is what he is, who he is. And market valuation is market valuation. And that's, that it's as simple as that. I, I just think he's, um, I just think he's not at the levels as he was in, in a couple of his good years, and I expect a little more from him. And um, the Twins can use it right now as they're trying to uh, climb out of second place in the division. So I, I expect a little more from the guy. Now, he's been great defensively, and in the clubhouse, he's been outstanding, apparently. Um, but I know there are some people over there who are like, you know, come on, let's see a little bit more out at the plate here. So um, I, uh, I hear what you're saying. And, yes, you are you're paid what you are worth at the time you signed the contract, no doubt. Um, but um, this guy's the fifth highest paid player in baseball this year, and I, I got to see some more. Let's move on to Nick Gordon. Uh, once again, thank you to to Corona, the official import beer sponsor of the Minnesota Twins, the presenting sponsor of the Chim Music Show here at TalkNorth.com. So I think Nick Gordon is one of the cool stories of this season. Uh, he's had all kinds of trouble keeping on weight, uh, trouble with nutrition, trouble with illnesses, and now just the ability to keep a little bit of uh, muscle on that frame uh, his intelligence, his level swing, all of a sudden, all those things are paying off and he's actually driving the ball. Uh, let's start with Lavelle on, on Mr. Gordon. <laughs> uh, it's amazing because uh, I think he's listed at 170 pounds, which I think is one of the lightest players in, in, in baseball. And, you know, I covered his father, uh, Flash Gordon, when he was with the Royals. And Flash was short, but my God, he was put together. He had broad shoulders, he had muscles, he was ripped. And uh, Nick's like this skinny little guy. So, um, and yeah, he just kept having so many setbacks in the minors and getting injured and uh, getting sick. I think he had, he fought COVID. Then he had some gastrointestinal problem, which forced him to lose weight. And he has no weight to lose. So that was just, you know, rough on his, on his end. For him to get here and carve out a niche for himself, I think it's awesome. He has, he has stuck with it and kept working hard. And um, he is showing some life at the plate. Uh, he kind of reminds me of Eduardo Escobar. He does not get cheated on a swing. If he sees a pitch he likes, he's he's taking a monstrous hack at it. It's been pretty fun to watch. So I, I'm just ha- I'm just happy for Nick because he has not uh, had the smoothest road uh, to the majors, and now it looks like he's, you know, he's become what the Twins have tried to pay for in the past. He's 
damn near a everyday multi multi-positional player. He's Myron Gonzalez who can hit better. Uh, he can play in the outfield. He can play in the infield. He can play a couple times. It's short. You know, it's probably not for a long-term spot for him, but he, he could spell you at short second, third uh, and play in the outfield. And he's providing some offense. I'm, I, I just think it's, it's a cool story. And I think he's gone from being a utility player to being a super utility player, which I'm not sure we saw coming. What do you think, Roy? Yeah, it's a great story. And I, I agree with uh, Lavelle on, on all points. And, and I will also say that unlike what I saw in Miranda uh, early on, regardless of what he was, what, what he was hitting, I, I just, I, I felt like it was, it was clear to me that he was going to hit with those mechanics that we just talked about. I was the opposite with Nick Gordon. I hate a swing. I've hated a swing. <laughs> uh, and I thought I just kid is just, it's, it's too long. Um, it's too uh, pull oriented and he's going to get beat with fastballs up or fastballs in. And uh, typically what happens when a guy is uh, getting beat with fastballs, then he's no good on, on off speed stuff. And at least to this point, it's uh, at least one of the times in in my analytical career that I'm dead wrong uh, about a guy. Um, I still don't understand how he delivers the big end of the bat to the ball as well as he does with the the swing path it, with his with the way he he swings at it. His swing always looks long to me, uh, and yet, uh, especially now that he's that he started to have some success. He's doing some really mature things, um, hitting balls the opposite field. He's fighting off uh, breaking balls with two strikes and and lining them uh, or grounding them through the uh, opposite field and and all the things that a um, that it, that a good hitter will will do. So, uh, you know, I'm dead wrong about uh, his hitting mechanics. Um, at least at least uh, right now, I, I just think it's a great story. Uh, I think he has a chance to. Um, to do some damage every time he walks up there. That's not something that I, that I thought early in his career was, you know, was, was going to be the case. And so good for him. I'm really happy for him too. And happy that I appear to be uh, dead ass wrong about what I thought of his hitting mechanic. One thing about our business, Roy, anybody who tries to, everybody in our business is going to be wrong a certain percentage of the time. There's no way to avoid it. It doesn't matter how much expertise you have, how much intelligence you have, we're all going to be wrong about something at some point. Uh, it's kind of fun that it turns out to be Nick Gordon, who's, again, one of the best stories on this team. Let's move on to pitching now. Tyler Malley, uh, arm fatigue, shoulder fatigue. He had gone on the disabled list in early July with similar thing. They're not putting him on the injured list. Uh, there's an open slot on Tuesday, which would be six days after his last start, where I'm sure they hope he bounces back and can take that one. Uh, level of concern, Roy. Uh, it's a concern uh, in the um, in the short term. Obviously, um, they, they need. You know, he looks like he's an immediate upgrade. Uh, you know, in, in the starting uh, rotation, and you know, now's the time when they need everybody healthy, and they need their best guys healthy in particular. And and so it's a it's a concern. It's not a long term concern. I mean, pitchers. It, it, in I mean, I don't know exactly what it is, but. You know, or if there's something that's more ominous than what they're saying, but a, a uh, if the if the diagnosis is correct, if it's if it's fatigue, um, and uh, it, it's not a long term 
uh, long-term issue, uh, which you always worry about with pitchers in their arms and, you know, where, where <laughs> like with Paddock, I mean, what's, you know, what's the real deal? Um, I don't know that he'll make his start. I mean, arm fatigue, it's, it's a funny thing. You just don't know when, uh, when fatigue will go away. And um, they, uh, they may allow him to make his start on uh, Tuesday and just, and just see how it is. And then, but with the idea that, you know, it's going to be like an opener, you know, I mean, we'll, we'll see how he feels. And if it's, if it's not an awful lot better after inning one or two, then just, we'll just have to plan for that. But I, I don't, I don't know. It seemed like with arm fatigue and the way he came out of the game, it seems like missing one, one start. It just seems like, seems to me like that would, you know, be the obvious, uh, the obvious event, but we'll have to see. Uh, the Twins cannot win the division with just um, Joe Ryan and Sonny Gray leading the way here. You don't know what you're getting with Bundy. Uh, you don't know what you're getting with Archer. Well, you know what you're getting with Archer, a four-inning a four start. Um, this is troublesome to me. And normally when a pitcher has some sort of tweak or some injury, it's basically a month because they go on, they go on the injury list, um, then they, they, they rehab – and then they throw in the bullpen, and they may make a rehab start, and then they're back in the rotation. And it usually takes a month. Um, I've, I have not, I haven't, I don't remember the last time I've heard a guy um, leaving a game with art with shoulder fatigue and just being okay the next time around. So I, I'm curious to see how this one um, develops here. Uh, but my goodness, you know, I was really enjoying what I was seeing from him, and all the indications where this guy could go through a lineup and, and, and kind of face it a third time through and has the pitches and the acumen, you know, to continue to shut them down. Um, when, uh, when Rocco talked to the manager of the Reds, he, he was told this guy can go later in games. Um, this year, you know, he's pitched, he's thrown over a hundred pitches a dozen, 12, 13 times. He's pitched his seventh inning several times. Um, now you've got this and all this is going to do now is, just going to make Rocco cautious with him once he does return to the, to the, to the rotation. So we're going to see, you know, him getting pulled after 85 or 90 pitches or after definitely after six innings or maybe after five. And once again, it's going to put more pressure on the bullpen to cover those outs the, uh, the, for the rest of the way. So this is troubling to me on multiple levels. Just the fact that um, the twins rotation depth cannot absorb uh uh, a loss if he needs to miss a start or two. And the fact that once he does return, he's probably going to be handled differently than he did when he first arrived. And by the way, uh, because he was so good early on, we got accustomed to saying Sonny Gray and Joe Ryan as their two best pitchers. So, uh, Joe Ryan has not been the same. In fact, the twins have not been the same since he went on the COVID list. Uh, That's true. His, his ERA is about five since then. The twins record is bad since then. Uh, they really need, and now his last start was pretty good. They need him to go back to being a two or three, and not just another guy kind of filling out the rotation. Uh, what have you seen out of his his stuff lately, Roy? Look, Joe Ryan is as much as I like his fastball and his personality with the fastball. Uh, he is he has uh, got to develop uh, secondary pitches that are sharper than uh, than what they are right now, and. Uh, he doesn't have a, a 
uh, consistently quick-breaking slider. Uh, he's got a changeup that I think mechanically, uh, arm speed, uh, trajectory movement, you know, fade, all that stuff. It looks like it could be decent, but he's throwing it middle-middle an awful lot in, uh, in the stretch of time that you're talking about here since he, had, he came back from having COVID. And on top of that, then, I mean, he, he has to understand as, as he's now gotten around the league uh, a bit, um, he's a high fastball and an inside fastball pitcher. He's not a down-the-middle fastball pitcher, regardless of how good his carry is, and it's really good. I mean, he, he's very deceiving, uh, deceptive, because, uh, uh, it, uh, you know, hitters see 91, and, and they're swinging at 91, and, he, and it's getting up there at 94 or 95, effectively, because of the because of that that spin rate that carry but he he can't he cannot take that fastball and just because he's got good carry and and he can beat somebody up in the zone he's not going to beat him thigh high middle and and he's really not going to beat him when they that um, when the whole bench looks at the sliders and the changeups that are going up there and they, and they say okay just just dial up the fastball a little bit. He's a little deceiving, and and get a good ball to hit. And that's that's what's been uh, what's been happening. And last time I was uh, on the broadcast uh, in uh, a Joe Ryan game, um, I, I just I said you know he's got to pitch he's got to pitch up in the zone. I mean he has to he has to throw high fastballs and then find you know some secondary pitches, but. You know when he's when he needs to throw a fastball, it needs to be he needs to be at the top of the zone. His, his great strength is that he can he can he can beat guys up in the zone, and he can throw it there. It, you know, a lot of guys they're trying to hit the top line of that uh, of that strike zone box that you see on television, and they're either six eight inches below it or or six eight inches above it, and and neither one of those locations are effective. He's uh, get, you give him credit. I mean, he can paint that top, uh, the top line of that strike zone box, and that's where he needs to pitch there and inside. And oh, by the way, inside, I wouldn't mind if he pitched a little, a little more angry um, inside. Uh, it, 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 he, I think he has to get, get guys um, in a hurry, in a big hurry, and a little bit leery of, of the ball coming inside. He's, he's a little bit too much and you see this a lot with guys that have, that have good control and they like their fastball and they throw it around the around the plate all the time and you're going to give up home runs on a fastball you know anyway if if you, you do that um, if that's your your approach and for so for him you know up in the zone is you know a high perimeter of the strike zone is great inside corner is great if you're six eight 12 inches Inside of the inside corner, that's great too. That's he, I think he's got a that fastball has to be a little angrier every once in a while. Well, you scratch where I'm mentioning there, Roy, because I, you know, me, I, I think most pitchers in baseball need to pitch inside more and um, and stop get uh, don't let hitters get too comfortable and and don't let them get comfortable with, with pulling outside pitches to to uh, into the uh, upper deck. Um, that's something I've harped on. For years, especially with these pitchers that don't throw very hard, they've got to use every tool they can in order to survive. I, I, I think that Dodgers outing that Ryan had was pretty bad. He got he got pummeled pretty yep. good in that one. 
Um, but I thought there was a lot of center cut fastballs. I agree he needs to pitch up in his own, but I still think he needs to be a little more. Um, I think his accuracy was a little off because sometimes some of those fastballs are just going right down the middle of the plate. And uh, th- that's too juicy for a hitter. You know, a major league hitter is not going to miss that very often, even with the movement that Ryan has. So I still, I think he just needs, I just think he needs to work on his, on the command of his fastball a little bit, find the corners a little bit more, and, and stay off the stay out of the middle part of the plate. I think that's where he's gotten hurt, um, especially at Dodgers game. He was better his last time out, um, but uh, you know, I still enjoy watching the kid pitch. I mean, he's got great stuff. I like his demeanor, and. Um, you know, I I think he's got the stuff to be, you know, a winning pitcher in this league. Um, but he's he's had a couple of hiccups here, and they're at the time point of the year though. They need to limit those hiccups. He's been two things about for- pitching inside. Uh, one is uh, if if a pitcher cannot get a hitter in a hurry, uh, then nothing else is going to work. I mean, it, it, a hitter has got to be leery. You got has to in the in the back or maybe even in the front of his mind he's got to feel like man this guy's going to come in and i'm going to hit the ball below the label unless i get you know i got to get the head out the big end of the bat out there and it it makes them immediately less effective on breaking balls and and fastballs in the outside corner as you suggest uh lavelle but uh it, it it's it's important to get hitters understanding of where the pace on the fastball is on the inside corner. That's going to be very important. Secondly, as far as pitching inside and, and pitching off the plate inside, it has the same effect. And even it, it's the best, it's the best ball pitch in the game. Uh, it, there are a lot of, there are a lot of pitches that are ball one, ball two, whatever it is uh, that are, they're not meaningful to, to hitters. Okay, I threw a high fastball. I took it. I see that. Okay, I threw it off the, you know, just off the plate, outside. I don't think he can hit that corner out there. Got, if you come in for at ball one or ball two inside, hard, that impresses a hitter. Uh, not only with the, with the, I got to be in a hurry, but shoot, I never know where this. Does he really know where it's going? If he can't hit the inside corner, he's going to hit my elbow. You know, kind of, kind of stuff. And it just tones down the aggressiveness a little bit. And so there, there's a really good re, two really good reasons uh, why it's imperative that uh, the pitcher pitch inside. It's also why uh, the great bullpen coach for the Minnesota Twins, Rick Stelmazic, every time the pitchers and catchers would go into the pre-series meeting to determine how they're going to pitch all the people in the other team's lineup, Rick Stelly would say, oh, we're going to the up and in, down and away meeting. <laughs> That's right. Well, it's absolutely true. I mean, it's been set for 120 years in baseball. How do you get this guy out? Fastballs up and in, you know, curb breaking balls down and away. You know, absolutely true. And, 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 and uh, trite as, as <laughs> at, at best, as, as Stelly was saying. The problem is that's the way to pitch most guys. And, it, um, and it doesn't have to be, uh, the perfect, perfect fastball spot in. It doesn't have to be the perfect slider on, on the corner, but it's got to be close to those things enough of the time, uh, or you're not going to have a chance. Thanks again to Corona. Thanks to Brandon. Let's do our quick music minute. Uh, anybody have something they want to offer right away? Oh boy, I think I'm drawing a blank this week. 
Okay, I'll start. Uh, shout out to Tom Morello, uh, poli science major at Harvard, becomes a founding member of Rage Against the Machine, uh, becomes one of the great shredding guitarists and electronic guitarists in America, also becomes a starts a, a side career as an acoustic guy, uh, a remarkable talent, uh, an amazing guitarist, uh, and somebody who basically decided he wanted to become a guitarist and practiced at a minimum of eight hours a day to become a great guitarist. Great story and great guitarist. Like it. I do have a complaint. This 21 yeah. Pilots group played at Excel last night, and uh, I don't even know what they play. I don't even know if they're uh, uh, in the top, have any songs in the top 10 or top 50. All I know is that people were staying in tents for days leading up to this concert. There was a row of tents on Kellogg Boulevard down from the Excel. And people thought it was a, a homeless encampment that sprouted up. No, it was people camping to get into this concert. Who are 21 pilots? I don't know. No band should ever subject their fans to that. There's got to be a better system than that. I mean, I'm uh, a lot of Springsteen fans are ticked off at uh, his, his management group because they've allowed dynamic pricing to drive the prices of many of his new concerts way up, and they should be angry. Uh, but you should never put your fans in a position where they have to camp out for tickets. What do you got, Roy? Anything today? Yeah, I'm. I'm. Uh, I, I think I'd just be a broken record here. Uh, no pun intended. Uh, with uh, I just uh, continue to listen to um, a, a lot of different blues guitarists, and and uh, we've talked about most of them. I don't have anything earth-shakingly new. Okay, we'll uh, defer some new music ideas for next week. Thanks for listening to the Chin Music Show. Again, check out, hey, Michael Russo, Anthony LaPanta, Cheryl Reeve, John Krasinski, John Millay, Jeff Diamond. Uh, we always have so many great hosts, I can't even remember them all. Mike Grimm with the Go Gopher podcast, Boyce Olson, Dave Lee. Uh, we've added so much. We've got about four hockey shows now, including Nate Proster's new show. Check it all out at talkwork.com. And we'll talk to you next week about Tyler Malley and everything else going on with the Minnesota Twins. <laughs>